dedicated to the CBS All Access miniseries, The Stand. This week, we are covering Episode 7, The Walk. I'm pretty excited about this week's episode. I know why you're excited. There's one scene in particular. (laughs) I assume it, I automatically assume it's going to be numbers 1, 2, and 3 in your top 3. You know, I I, I sat there wondering, did anything else happen in this show this week? No, I'm kidding. No, it's not just that. Although Wait that a minute, was, did they actually walk in this episode? I don't get it. <laughs> was there any walking? I don't remember any walking happening. No, <laughs> I kid. No, that, that obviously was a, a, a bonus for me, but I genuinely really liked this week's episode. I'm with you. I really did like this episode. I think these last two episodes mm-hmm. that, we got, that we've gotten have been incredibly strong and Quite honestly, there might even be a chance I kind of liked this one even more than last week. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think I did, too. Just a little. Because um, I did I did think last week's was really strong. I thought, think they're really, you know, coming in strong, this, this third act here, which I'm a little sad about. I mean, not that I hated, you know, the first half or there in the middle, but, you know, there were a few dips there. You know, there was a lot of dips and, and things that could have been improved on a man i don't know if they were just saving it for the home stretch here or what but these last two and especially this one i really resonated with i got emotional 
I um, did too. And it, it, it hit some feels, man. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Like, yeah, there were moments I was like, why am I getting choked up at this? I know. Like, this is like, what is going on? But yep. yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, yeah, it was emotional. It was, um, it was it was very for the most part by the book. Yeah. At the same time, too. I mean, I know we've mm-hmm. never read it, but you know when I've I've heard and read in a couple a number of different places that this was pretty by the book. On this, I episode. saw that also that some book readers had mentioned that this one stayed pretty close. Yeah. You know to to what happened, so that's good too. Hopefully that. I- you know, help some people feel a little bit better about some things. I do have to jump back to last week for a minute, though, before we, mm-hmm. we continue on with this week. And okay. I, this, I don't know if this is necessarily something from like a corrections department or whatever, um, but a, just a little bit of a follow-up to one of the points that we made last week. We were saying that we didn't understand how Nick was able to know that the bomb was in the piano. Mm-hmm. It's actually very clear how Nick knew that the bomb was in the piano, we just didn't think of it at the time. Uh-huh. Mother Abigail had said in the beginning of that episode, or the previous episode, rather, that she always left the lid open on the piano so that the kids right. can see inside. When Nick walked past, the lid was closed. Right. So Nick didn't have to feel the piano. He could see that the lid was closed, and that's how he got the inclination that something was wrong that there was something off about the piano. Right. So it it wasn't a sense, it wasn't a feeling. He just physically saw the lid was closed and we completely missed that last week. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we had a listener that pointed that out too. So thank you. I can't remember who that was in this moment, but thank you. Um it's it's good to know that we have you know, such good loyal listeners that will help steer us in the right direction I, when we, I know when we I think astray. Greg was I think Greg was the one that told me um during oh, one of our okay. zoom calls I so I don't know if it's in any feedback this week um because somebody else brought it up I don't know because again we don't read or listen to the feedback ahead of time no I think it was after the episode aired sometimes okay. um yeah it was after the episode aired it's like people as they're listening will tweet at me or you know message me or something um and I'm like oh, okay so yes um I I think that I heard that elsewhere as okay. well and of course of course greg knew that's what I, <laughs> of course I, greg knew. <laughs> I do that too actually because i know i i did it this week for this week's episode of cobra kai because you richard and jason were wondering why T- kyler kept calling miguel ria yes and i'm like it's because he bought pepto in the first episode like that's why i they knew called him Rhea. like how did you guys not remember that I, oh my god, are you kidding? That felt so long ago when we covered season one, and I knew it was for a reason, because I said, hey, remember it was from season one. I just don't remember the exact reason. Yeah. I said, I just remember that there was, you know, something had happened, and he picked up that nickname, but I can't remember the exact detail. But yeah, so I, I knew it was from I had one. that. I had that yeah. moment, too. I, I, I've posted on the Facebook page, on the House Podcast Facebook page, as I was listening <laughs> to the podcast. I'm like, this is almost like I'm literally screaming at you guys. I know, I this know. This is why. We, I get that a lot. <laughs> People will, will tweet at me or um, message me or something as they're listening, and they'll go, you know, I don't know if you talked about this yet or not, but X, Y, and Z, and they'll leave me something, and then they'll come back like 20 minutes later. Okay, I just got to that part. You you did mention that. Or no, you didn't mention that. And so it's like I get, um, you know, live action as, as they're listening. Um, so yeah. I always appreciate that. I don't mind being corrected. You know, I know I get 
things wrong sometimes or I don't always see the full picture or sometimes I've had too much wine and that makes me foggy. <laughs> That's usually the case. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. So yeah. with that being said, because I do really want to talk about this episode um, and me I'm excited too. to get into our top three. Um, I'd really love to hear what your number three is for this week. All right. So this is actually a rough week because it was difficult for me to pick a top three, (laughs) not because I didn't have enough to fill a top three, Mm -hmm. but because I have other notes in here that would fit into my top three. Like, Like, it was hard for me to be like, okay, which ones do I want to be my top three? Yeah. Um. So, you know, we talked at the top of the episode about emotions and getting emotional at this episode. So I'm going to start there. Okay. Um, it, there's not really a lot to talk about here, but I'm going to start things off. My number three is the picture. Oh, um, yeah. The, the picture that they take, they're getting ready to take the walk to, to, to New Vegas and, you know, Glenn comes up with the camera and Stu kind of gives him a little bit of shit, you know, for bringing the camera. And he's like, it's mm-hmm. not for me. It's for Franny. You know, we have to kind of, re- you know, remember this moment. And when they all sit there and they take the picture and you see the picture and it's all four of them there with like these smiles on their faces. Like, I honestly started getting a little choked up because yeah. I, I, I realized in that moment, like, this is the last time. All but one of them are going to be in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Like three out of the four of them are not going to make it home. Yeah, and I got really bummed because I've I've grown to I've grown to be attached, and this is something again that this this new series has been able to do that the I don't think the ninety four ever did, and maybe I'll get the same feeling when we go back and we read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the 94 didn't do it, but I'm emotionally attached to these characters now. Yes. Even even knowing their fates, I'm mm-hmm. emotionally attached to these characters. So even knowing the time was coming that they were going to leave and Stu was going to fall and the other three were going to make it to Vegas and they're not going to make it home, like it took that picture for it to click and be like, oh man, like I, I'm really bummed out. That yeah. this is this is the end of their they are approaching the end of their story. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I I got, got kind of choked <laughs> up. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. It was. Um, I I feel a lot more emotionally invested. Um, you know than than when we started, and yeah, knowing knowing their fates of what's going to happen, that that got me too. And and. You know, they're they're all a little bit like apprehensive in their own ways about the journey. But seeing, you know, like you said, they're all still just kind of smiling, you know, um, when they take the picture, um, you know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's that's a moment. And it's nice that they even thought to do that, like I said, for posterity, you know, because yeah. there's so few people in the world now. It's good to like document these things and, you know, remember these things and remember the people um you know, that we're a part of these things. Um, so, well, so yeah, I'm glad e- they thought of that. And I think it's even being done in part too, because they probably realize in the back of their own minds, this, this, uh, they, this is probably the last time the four of them will be together. Mm-hmm. Because even mother Abigail in her speech to them tells them that one of you won't make the journey. 
mm-hmm. like you know one one of you will will not make it. So even then, like to document the four of them, they know they don't know who yet, but they know this is the last time the four of them will probably be together. Yeah, is is this journey together? So yeah, like that was just I I couldn't. It it surprised me how emotional I got just at a picture being taken. Yeah, that was it, that hit hard. But it proved that you know the writing in this series is really. I think really well done in the fact that I I realized in that moment as well, like I mentioned, I'm more emotionally attached to these characters than I thought I was. Owen King got the solid uh, writing credit for this week's episode, which is, of course, Stephen King's son. Mm-hmm. So I think that speaks a lot, um, you know, about maybe why we loved it so much and why the writing kind of hit a little bit. Yeah. And great acting, was- too. Oh, phenomenal acting! I mean, Greg Kinnear. Let's let's be real. Greg Kinnear. <laughs> no, it's and in all yes. seriousness, it's it's all the characters, not just Greg Kinnear. It was yeah. it was you know James Marsden and like everybody was just. I I think especially in the four, I I think they were they were all fantastic. This yeah, week. they had great chemistry together too. Yeah, I uh, I I love that. So what about you? Your, well, your number three. Well, my number three, it, it kind of goes right into yours because it's also why I got emotional too. Uh, I mean, there were multiple parts, but, you know, probably the biggest one for me, because I'm just going to go ahead and talk about it because I, I it might be my number three, but I, it's like the first thing that I'm excited to talk about. And one of the mm-hmm. most most exciting things that I'm wanting to talk about first, and that's just the walk itself, the journey. Um and first of all, why did Kojak have to go? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he did go in the books and uh, yes. the book as well. And in the 94 series, he did as well. So yes. I, 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 you know, I know that. And I remember from the 94 version that, that Kojak was on the journey too. But I'm still going, why do we have to let the dog come along? And I realized <laughs> that, you know, he would probably want to be tagging along anyway that he probably wouldn't let Glenn leave without him. Yeah. You know, he they're they're like devoted to each other, so maybe no matter what Glenn would do, he would try to follow him anyway. So he's like, Well, all right, if you're coming along with me, we're doing this. Um but I was just like, Why the dog? Why always the dog? Why would you take a dog on this eight hundred mile journey? Um but anyway, get, getting past that. Well um, uh, re- real quick though, before before you move past that, mm-hmm. I kind of look at Kojak being with them a little bit differently. And this might be Again, a little over analytical too, but you know, we, we talk about a, a story that is very religious in its background. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of look at Kojak as a guardian. Um, yeah, that's appropriate. You, you know, like you know, in religion, there's always that. You know, there's always the the phrase that he he walks with you, or like the Lord walks with you. And even though Mother Abigail is not with them, I kind of look at Kojak taking that taking that place like he is the one who is walking with them as a guardian now watching over them because yeah. when Stu falls he stays behind with Stu to guard like as a guardian yeah and it, so, and it I, I was okay with that because mm. then then that makes me happy I, I was happy but I was just like <laughs> I, but I, I get it as you know initially you're just like why why would yeah. you why would you do that but it makes sense when you get to that part when he does yeah. stay behind with Stu. So that that made me emotional um, as well. But I, I just really loved the whole journey, you know, and Mother A sends them out 
you know, and tells them that they have to go west and make their stand against Flag. And and man, did they do a good job of aging her up this week, this uh, this episode. Oh. I have it in my notes, too. I finally bought that she was over 100 years old. Yeah, but I think, I don't know, do you think that it was supposed to represent, like, the experience that she went through while she was on her walkabout when she ran into Flag? Because, like, why would they do that now? So, do you think that, that what she went through, really, you could tell, like, oh, wow, she has been through something. She's really aged in whatever it is that she experienced while she was out there. So... Do you think that's why they did that? Because, yeah, that's the only time I was able to believe that she was 108 years old. It's a good point. I never really thought of it in that way, actually. Um, I just kind of took it as in like, okay, they had her lying in bed, so they were able to kind of put more of a focus on the makeup um, Mm -hmm. aspect rather than, you know. I mean, because it's one thing to have somebody made up to look like 100 years old and still be able to, like, through the makeup, see what they're doing, walk around yes. and stuff like that. And but yes. now she's lying down, so they could do whatever they wanted to, or she because they don't have to worry about her moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was more looking at it from a production point of view, but from a story point of view, I like that. That actually kind of makes sense. Cool. Well, yeah, that's at least for me what made sense at the moment. I was like, well, why did they decide to? Because that, that's what my question was: was wow, she finally looks 108. Yeah. Why now? Why did they? You know, she's been in multiple episodes. Why now? And I was like, oh, well, maybe it has something to do with, you know, the journey that she went on. And of course, you know, she dies in this episode, so she's she's kind of been through it. And um, maybe they decided to age her up that way. Like she's finally showing her age because she's went through what she went through and she faced flag and. Um, you know, has has come back. So I don't know. That's just something I was throwing out there, but I'm glad it makes sense. Um, it does, yeah. Um, so we, like you said, learned that someone won't make the journey, but I didn't know if that meant Stu, because he doesn't make the journey. You know, he has his accident and falls. Um, but, you know, she's telling them that, so they're not quite sure how to take that. Franny has to stay there. Um, and I loved the interaction with all of them, you know, as they... Um, like I said, the picture, um, that was emotional when they're walking out of town as they get out of town and the, <laughs> they're already, Larry's already like, um, all right, so what are we doing about <laughs> so, water? So what's, you know? Anybody have a plan? <laughs> you know, and, the, and so I love how they're starting to kind of question where they're going, what's going to happen when they get there. They all kind of, you know, have their theories and their thoughts and their feelings. Like, you know, Larry's like, man. We're, we have nothing but the clothes on our back, and and what are we going to do, and what's our plan? And, and, and then Stu and, and even Glenn, who the man of science, who is accepting the, the train that he's on, you know, is like, well, we're going to see what happens. We're going to hopefully get to this next town, and we're going to get there and, you know, hopefully supply up, and it's, and it's going to be great. Um, you know, and we'll figure it out as we go. So it was interesting to hear the dialogue between all of them as, you know, they're all, um, you know, kind of figuring out and and how much belief that they truly have in the journey that they're on and And, go ahead and and i and i love that interaction with them too um Mm because i I even i even have it written down in my notes and it's um you know what you figured the engine girl must know the ways of the earth least (laughs) enough to find you water you won't shit yourself to death and then they all look at each other like well and she's like yeah 
Like I was like I was such a great interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're right. Like as serious this as serious as this journey is, I like the fact that the writers and the producers still kept it like still gave us those lighthearted moments. Yeah, to kind of keep us like you know at least somewhat happy and not too depressed. You know, watching this all unfold. Yeah, because you can't help but feel like a sense of impending doom at what lies ahead at the end. So it's good that they're still able to kind of keep their spirits up. They're still able to have some humorous moments and and joy between each other and a camaraderie between the four of them. So it was fun to watch. The montage of them traveling was really great as you see them walking across the land and And, through the snow. And the music! the I know music, you're talking about the music. It was Radiohead. <laughs> yes. Which, like, I was so excited to hear. Like, the the music they have used throughout this series, whether it's the end credits or even during particular scenes, has been, like, fantastic. I, mm-hmm. I really want to put together a playlist. We should do a playlist. On, on Spotify or something mm-hmm. of, of just the music, like a soundtrack to this series of just the music they've used through all these episodes and I might actually do it and just let you share it to like yeah strange totally. listeners to people who want to listen to it I'll totally share it I think that'd be I, great from from Radiohead to Bing Crosby at the end of the episode like it's uh it, it's just been it's been great I love them I love their usage of music I got really excited to hear Radiohead yeah and I thought it was just very appropriate for this montage and it was just I didn't get so much emotional, but I I felt moved, you know, during just that song playing and that montage and all of them, you know, you know, marching forward to the West, you know, to Mm -hmm. just knowing, I guess, already knowing and having a a sense of what's going to happen, you know, just, I don't know, that was great. Um, So I loved all of, I I loved that, that the the walk and their journey was, was the the thing that I was most excited for. Um, Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. And then, um, of course, you know, as you mentioned, Stu doesn't make it, you know, then they get to that. I I don't really think it's fair to call it an embankment. Freaking road is like missing there. This huge, you know, crack in the road and and they can't go around it. So, of course, they're going to climb down and going to have to go back up. And um, Stu is almost there and just doesn't make it, falls, breaks his leg that moment between all of them uh, was emotional. And the one that really got me was between him and Glenn. Um, oh my God. I mean, I, I, it, it almost felt like a little bit of foreshadowing just a little bit as they're climbing back up and Glenn is ahead of Stu and um, you know, Glenn, I can't remember exactly what Glenn says to, or what he, Stu says to Glenn, but Glenn goes, kiss my ass. Um, <laughs> whoa, I think he was making fun I, of his age or something. I think you I know? just did. Yeah. And then he, when he <laughs> slips a little falls. bit, he's like, oh, I think I just did. I and think I, just did. <laughs> I love, I love seeing those two together. The, those two, I feel like they've done a really great job, at least for me, um, really forming that friendship and that bond between those two. I really love seeing, I, you can really feel a brotherhood between those two. And so that was a great moment. And I thought, oh my God, when, when Greg Kinnear's slipping, I was like, oh my God, protect Greg Kinnear at all costs. We must not lose Greg Kinnear. Um, but I, but whenever he's saying goodbye to Stu, um, when they're having their little moment, and he's giving him the pills and talking to him and stuff. And they give this knowing look to each other. And, um, you know, he, he says it was really great getting to know him and Stu's like I wish I could say the same and he goes I didn't mean it when I said it 
that that line that line it's been a pleasure getting to know you and i wish i could say the same i've watched this episode episode three times in preparation for this i bust out laughing all three times i watched this episode at that interaction um, but even more so, like just to kind of further the point about their kind of like their goodbye, we get that interaction with Stu and Larry where Stu yeah. is kind of passing, passing the torch. Mm-hmm. But to me, during that scene, what really got me and what really started getting me emotional is as that scene is playing out, as the camera changes different views, you can see Glenn in the background mm-hmm. and he's kind of like got his head down. And you realize, like, the friendship that they have, they've created over this whole, you know, world going to hell situation. Like, you realize Glenn knows he has to say goodbye to probably the best friend he has during all of this. Mm -hmm. And he's not ready to do it. Mm -hmm. And then you get the moment when he has to do it. So seeing Glenn in the background built the emotional tension to that, to them actually saying goodbye even more that I felt it even more because of seeing him in the background. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You're, you're absolutely right that the whole thing was super emotional and yeah, that the scene between Stu and Larry was great too. Um, I, you could just really feel that they've been through something. Yeah. You know, that they've, they've bonded, not just, not just surviving captain trips and everyone getting to Boulder and they're all on this, you know, committee together and, or the council and, you know, kind of being leaders and stuff and getting to know each other through this. But this this walk that they were on has really cemented their bond. And you can really see that um, emotion in each of them. And I loved it. Thought it was great. But definitely the the between Stu and, and, and Glenn really, really got me. And then, of course, Kojak coming back, you know, to, to be with him. I was just, my heart, that that got me and the yeah. dog just absolutely refused to leave him and uh I, I love that like you said i think that's a really good point i didn't think of it that way but yeah that's that makes me feel a little bit better that you know thinking of it that way that he's there to help protect Stu and be there as a guardian for him knowing that he's he's helpless you know yeah. so i loved it loved all of that that I, that shit got too. me <laughs> <laughs> so not afraid to say it <laughs> no i i told you i i admitted getting emotional over a picture yeah. <laughs> i mean if i got emotional over the picture they took before they left on the walk of course the this like stew falling and him having to say goodbye to everybody mm-hmm. was going to get me more than a picture yep you know because we knew this was something that was going to happen and just when it plays out it's I mean, I, I, I remembered from the 94 series, of course, that it was Stu that, that falls because, right. you know, um, I remember from the 94 series, it, the rest of Stu's story. Right. Um, so I knew it was going to be Stu. But again, being the way this show, the way this series has been written, getting us connected to these characters, I felt more emotional with this goodbye than I did in the 94. Definitely. Way more. Yeah. Yeah. This this one definitely hit me. I can't say that that one hit me, you know, nearly as much. As I don't much think as that looked, one hit me at all. I don't think it did <laughs> either. I don't think there was really any a, a lot of, of of you know, didn't trigger a lot of the same emotions at all. I mean, I just watched it and thought, oh, okay, that that was interesting. And I don't know if it made a difference because of you know, I watched it when it came out, but I honestly don't think I've watched it since '94 when it aired uh, on TV. So. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was just because some of it took it out for, you know, took me out of it a little bit because it's a little dated. 
uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, but anyway, yeah, this, I, I can't wait to watch it again. It, even if just for that, you know, that whole section and just watching them on their journey again was yeah. great. I, I plan to fully binge this entire series when I'm, it's over. I'm curious to see how it how differently it would play out, you know, instead of week by week, which I think it's always good to sometimes, you know, have some time between shows, stuff like binging mm-hmm. a show, eight or nine, ten episodes, or however many episodes, or, bearing, or binging a whole series of a TV show. Um, sometimes it's good to digest and, and marinate, you know, on things a little bit, and because I feel like you miss so much, but I'm curious to see what it will look like now, watching it straight through from episode one to the end, and kind of seeing if, if it how you feel about the story. Cause I know we've talked before, there's a little bit of, you know, lacking in character development and some folks like Nick, you know, I really wish we had gotten a little bit more, you know, out of him and, you know, a little bit more story out of a few others, but um mm-hmm. curious to see how that feels or if it feels any different. Yeah. Once yeah, all the episodes too. are out. So yeah, me I think too. I'm excited to do that too. I'll um, definitely rewatch it though when it's done. Oh yeah. I'll be rewatching it for sure. Um, what is your number two? So we kind of talked a little bit about my number two already with Stu and the fallen one and, you know, Glenn struggling with saying goodbye and then the actual goodbyes. And man, the cringeworthiness of the leg breaking. Like I, I cringed so hard when I heard the snap and Mm -hmm. I knew it was coming. I still cringed. Like it's when both when he breaks his leg and then when they said it, I'm like, like, I, why didn't they give him something to bite down on when they were going to set? I mean, holy shit. Where's the x-rays at? How do you know that bone is back in place and give that man a piece of leather to bite down on for crying out loud? Or something. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so we kind of touched on that, but I definitely have enough that I can throw something else in for my number two. Okay. Go for um, it. So I'm going to do that. And I'm actually going to take it back to something that's very quick in the episode. Uh, my number two is the opening with Trash Can Man. Ooh, yeah. We we get a little bit more Trash Can Man this week, mm-hmm. and in the in the opening of the episode, we see him at the at the launch site. We see him able to open up the launch door, the bay doors, get inside, cut the 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 top of the the nuke off, um, wench it out, load it up onto the 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 ATV, and drive off. It's a very quick scene, but I think this definitely shows a new aspect of Trash Can Man that we did not get last week. Okay. Last week, we kind of got him as this, he's just a pyromaniac, he's, he's kind of crazy, he's got stuff going on in his head. Mm-hmm. This week, while I know we were saying last week, we were kind of wishing that if when we saw this happen we would get him like picturing things that happened to him that kind of drive him so that we get a little bit more of that trash can man backstory. Mm-hmm. We didn't get that this week. No, but we, but we got a major new, in my opinion, we got a pretty big character, um, um, characteristic, a new characteristic of trash can man. Okay. Um, he's pretty much an idiot savant. Yeah, um, I, I like, think so. I mean, Anybody who is just pure crazy would not know to have, you know, a Geiger counter ready there. He wouldn't know how to open up those bay doors. He wouldn't know where to cut the the, the missile. Yeah, you know, how, do you, get... how do you even disassemble 
something yeah, like he, that, you know? Exactly. Like a, a a regular, like just crazy pyromaniac wouldn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. He's he's a pretty intelligent person for even as crazy as he is. Right. Um, he, he's very he, smart. He but he is definitely hindered by his mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but he is intelligent. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a big difference from something that we didn't get out of his character last week. Right. Um, I know I read somewhere too that Stephen King has even said. Uh, in regards to Trash Can Man, that the stand is his Lord of the Rings and Trash Can Man is his Gollum. <laughs> I love that you said that because that's like actually in my notes for Trash Can Man. During that scene, he was like Gollum on crack with that bomb. Yeah. Like, my precious. <laughs> I've, know, I've like, even, <laughs> I, I know somebody had mentioned it in feedback last week too about how Trash Can Man reminds him of Bobcat Goldwave. Um, <laughs> and I can't unhear that now because I definitely heard that this week. Like, it's, Oh, yeah. He's like. He's this week. He's like Bobcat, like combined with a Velociraptor or something. Yeah, like, I don't, there was something you know, happening there. Um, you know, but just like I really, I as much as I wished we got more backstory on Trash Can Man, I feel like we've kind of gotten most of Trash Can, the most of Trash Can Man that we're gonna get, with the exception of his his ending, right? Um, which is how the story wraps up, which. I'm pretty sure we're getting next week. Pretty sure that's what's happening next week, yep. So, I mean, it's a very truncated story for Trash Can Man, and I really do wish we got more. However, I have to say, they've kind of given us enough of him to get us by. You know, we we got, like, the, the mental illness last week. This week, we got the fact that even though he's mentally ill, he's very smart. Yeah, he is. Um, and, and next week, we're going to get kind of, I guess, a motive for doing what he does. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, as much as it's been a short and truncated story of Trash Can Man, and I wish we got more, I have to say, I'm kind of okay with what we got. And I think as Ezra Miller is doing a fantastic job again with his performance. and They're doing an amazing job. Yeah. Uh, really great performance. And he's always interesting um, on the screen anyway. But yeah, I was thinking, holy cow, he, he gets, gets, Trash Cayman gets that thing on the, on the ATV and just jostles along the desert. And that thing is just bouncing around. And I'm like, is it safe for that thing? Isn't that a freaking nuke? Or is that okay to be just bouncing around like that? I mean, it's like you expect any moment, like it's just going to poof, you know, um, before he even gets it to Vegas. So I was like, well, I- oh my gosh. And I love the fact that he's singing like bumpy, bumpy, bumpy. Like that's what he's saying as he's doing it. He knows full well that this is a bumpy road, but he's still continuing, continuing on to do it. I mean, I mean, in that, I guess he knows if it's safe or not. He seems to know how to disassemble the darn thing and take it up out of this missile silo. So, well, I mean, nukes usually need to be. Uh, they 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 usually need to be activated before. like detonated actually detonated it's not just like like dynamite you can't you know uh in nitroglycerin when they would transport that when they're like you know in the early days of like building the railroads and they're you know um clearing the paths and clearing mountain tunnels and stuff so they can you know get the railroad through you can't you had to be go you know go super slow and you couldn't be real super bumpy you know, um, with like dynamite and like nitroglycerin in its yeah. in its pure form, that's like very a, unstable. But maybe a, this a is... new connect a new can actually hit the water and not detonate because it has to be initialized mm. for it to detonate on impact. It's interesting. Um, 
I think what this episode is doing is the bumpiness is actually, and then we see the Geiger counter showing that the radiation is getting high. Mm -hmm. I think that is what is actually going to set off the detonation. I'm, I'm actually thinking trash can man has every intention of delivering this nuke to flag, Mm -hmm. but in the transportation it's, it's leaking. And it's eventually going to go off. And I think I am actually thinking it's going to be an unintentional detonation. It might be. And and it's also just interesting to know when that Geiger counter starts getting higher and higher. I mean, he's already being exposed to, I'm sure, a lot of radiation in that moment. But I'm wondering if that's going to affect him physically as he continues, you know, back to Vegas. uh, As you could see that Geiger counter rising very quickly, like you said, like it's leaking out. Now, um, I guess because he disassembled it and it's, you know, so or or maybe it's or maybe it's the the interaction with the radiation that's going to start causing him to like kind of see all the things like all the people that picked on him. It's going to cause him to have all these visions and remember all these things and then he will set it off. When Maybe. he gets to Vegas because of it. it's. I, I'm very curious how everything is going to play out. Yeah, because they're, they're a little off script there a little bit. Um, I know doing a few things differently than the book, and we're not getting all of that. So it'll be interesting to see if they change things up a little bit or how they try to push that forward a little. So Yeah. yeah. But I thought, and even, I thought it was only a couple minutes, but I, I enjoyed what they gave us, what more too. they gave us of Trash Can Man. I did too. It was good to see him again, and I, I thought that was a, a good little montage, too. But yeah, I definitely had a Gollum moment, <laughs> so yeah. glad, glad you thought the same. <laughs> My precious. Precious. Um, that's awesome. What about you? Your number two. My number two, uh, I I always, I keep saying, like, every episode, I, I want to kind of stop talking about him, but I feel like we have to talk about him, because uh, this is kind of a big big episode and big moment for Harold. I don't think we can go this without talking about Harold. Yeah, we have to. We have to talk about him. But I, you know, I, I thought it was an interesting moment, and I'm actually, I'm kind of surprised that Harold was so surprised that Nadine betrayed him, and that Flag would have no use for him after he served his purpose. You know, it kind of surprised me that he that he fell for that, and you know, when he tells Nadine, you know that flag's going to give him someone that makes her look like a sack of potatoes i was like <laughs> well one i'm not sure how that's going to happen because <laughs> that's my thought she's, too. I'm like this woman that say, you're talking about must be i would say what does like, she look like perfection if, yeah if you think amber heard is going to look like or nadine is going to look like a sack of potatoes compared to her because you know she's 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 beautiful um but uh i was just really shocked by that and I think we've spent so much time with Harold that I don't want to say I felt bad for him. I I was reading a lot that people felt really bad for Harold, but I'm like, no, I mean, fuck Harold. I I don't feel bad for him and for what happened to him because he made, he made his choices that got him there. I mean, he, he, he said he was acting of his own free will. Um, but he, he was sorry that he was misled. So he, it was interesting in his journal entry when he admits that that he was misled by the dark man and he allowed himself to be so he i like that he did own up to his role and his mistakes and that he got played for a fool and that he allowed it to happen and he 
you know, he acknowledges that he's made bad mistakes and poor choices, and that's what led him to, you know, where he was, dead on the side of the road. And um, so I don't know. And I mean, and even, you know, Larry, who's had a really interesting character, you know, character arc throughout the show, you know, he shows more compassion to, to Harold in that moment than Harold would have, if, if roles were reversed, that Harold would have showed him. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know. And I'm interested to know what you, th- what you think about that turn of I, events. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the whole Larry thing when they come across Harold's body on the mm-hmm. side of the road, because I honestly think that ties really much into <laughs> the reason why Stu chose him to mm-hmm. lead. When Stu was out. Oh, yeah, I that's think, interesting. I, I think Stu saw that mm-hmm. and saw the, the, the compassion that Larry had. And like that even though Harold did such a horrible thing, the fact that Larry was able to look past that mm-hmm. still with compassion. I think that's a very good reason as to why Stu chose Larry. Yeah, yeah like, I think he's got a and point. Said, and said, you're the leader now. You know, I I think that spoke volumes about um, about Larry in mm-hmm. that particular moment. Uh, like even even if Ray didn't like it, like it's right. still, you know, I I I I don't know how I would have felt in that situation either. Mm-hmm. You know, because yes, he did murder probably multiple people, not just Nick. I'm sure other people were. You we know. we don't really know like a full body count. They never really. I mean, they mentioned Nick. Yes, we know Nick died, but I don't know. They don't really say the body count of other people. Look like, you know, there were people pretty close to that blast. So we don't really yeah. know how many other people potentially died in that bombing. Yeah, so, yeah. but I but you, but you know, jump into the beginning of the episode when we get that interaction with Harold and and Nadine after the bomb is set off. I love the fact that it's silent. You don't hear the explosion mm-hmm. in the background. Like I thought that was a really nice like uh, choice of uh, of production the way they did that that particular moment. But it was also really interesting to watch that as Harold is talking to Nadine and telling her the whole like he'll give me a woman that makes you look like a sack of potatoes and everything. It's really interesting when you look at that to see like when you look at Nadine and you look at Harold, how both of them think they're the prize and the other is the pawn and only mm-hmm. one of them's going to be right that's true yeah in in harold's conversation to nadine he very clearly thinks he's the prize and nadine's the pawn mm-hmm. and it that's is right. very much the other way around very much yep good point you know so I, when and i i do understand people getting feeling bad for harold and and in a sense I'm kind of with them a little bit. I did feel a little bit of something for Harold, but I feel like his his death was rightfully justified. Yeah. So totally. I, I don't want to say I felt so bad for him. I wish he didn't die. He completely deserved everything that he got. Mm-hmm. But I understand it. I, I kind of get it. Because they did put a lot of focus on his character. They did. This show. A lot of focus on his character. That being said, as much as they've put a focus on his character and it kind of could have been a little overkill um owen teague wow pardon my language fucking killed it yeah with this character yeah you cannot argue with his acting and his performance he knocked it out of the park especially this episode i mean in in all the episodes i think that he did a really fantastic job with his how he portrayed this character 
But in this episode especially, you could totally get all that emotion as he, you know, when Nadine is betraying him and she's like, this is how it was always going to be. It's just better this way. Like he was, you know, you were never meant to to follow us. And and you know what? She probably is 100% right. It probably would have been worse for him had he made it to Vegas. You know, Flag had zero intention of keeping him around. So it was probably better. His fate was probably better. Um you know, in, in the way that he died, um, instead of if he had actually made it to Vegas. So maybe it was well, a little, little bit of a mercy, but his performance I, I is outstanding. Do, I do know in the book, it actually is caused by Flag. It's not Nadine. Um, Flag is the one that causes the distraction that causes him to crash mm. before they get to Vegas. So it is Flag's doing in the book. I did, okay. I did research that. Um, so the, it is a little bit of a deviation from the book in, in having Nadine be the one to do it. And not and not flag. Um, it kind of plays off more as like a jealous a jealousy rather than this was always meant to be. Right. Well, and maybe um, still inadvertently, flag's doing since she seems to be under the influence of flag. It wasn't maybe di- directly like an order, like coming from flag, like you need to do this or that you should do this. And it wasn't flag himself in this series, but seeing as how she's under the influence. Um, you could maybe consider it inadvertently still flag that killed him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I get that. But yeah. Oh, that's interesting though. But yeah, really, really great performance by Owen Teague. And, and you could really killed feel, it. really feel it, um, you know, in this, in this episode, you could almost, and I do understand why people would kind of feel for him, but I'm not one of them. So, but yeah, yeah Harold's my number two. I feel like we had to kind of talk about him one more time. <laughs> We had to. I mean, I mean, his story. His story is over. Yeah, his story is done. So, like you know, Flag said, we're, we're he not served gonna, his purpose. Yep, <laughs> he was and, loyal and, and he served his purpose. And we're not going to get him at all next week. So we uh, we shall see. Yep. So that leaves us with your number one. Can't wait to hear right. this. So I have two that could possibly be num- my number one, and I, I don't know. We're going to talk about them both at some point. So it doesn't really matter. It <laughs> doesn't really matter. So, Dealer's choice. <laughs> so I will, I, will, I will leave it up to you. I will label one as one and label the other as two. That one will be one. That'll be two. What do you want to hear, one or two? I want to hear number one. I want to hear one. Okay. All right. Number one. One of the things I really want to pride this episode on. You mentioned earlier, you know, we got writing by Owen King. Um, Stephen King also assisted on the writing of this episode and the director, Vincenzo Natale. Um, He's great. This episode, I loved the pacing Mm -hmm. of this episode. This episode, I feel like in episodes one through six, we got a very fast-paced, we got to tell this story, there's so much to tell, we got to tell it, we got to tell it, like, speed up, speed up, speed up, to the point where we lost elements of certain characters, like, uh, like I, I never even really felt a big Stu connection until this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so much more Stu we could have gotten, there's so much more of Mother Abigail we could have gotten, Nick, um, you know, there's so much more to all the Trash Can Man... However, this particular episode, I guess because of the writing and the combination of the directors, because Vincenzo Natale has worked with Stephen and Owen before. Yes. Um, I feel like this episode was kind of them saying, okay, we need to slow it down for a minute mm-hmm. because this is one of the most important aspects of this story. It has to be told and it has to be told correctly. Mm-hmm. 
end slowly. Agree. So, I mean, if this were any other episode of the series, I feel like they would have left on the walk and halfway through the episode, they would have been in New Vegas. But they took their time with this episode. This entire episode was the walk from start to finish was the walk Mm -hmm. to to Vegas. They paced it out. We got more emotional moments because of it from, you know, as we mentioned, the picture, the goodbyes after Stu fell. Um, There was probably a little bit more emotion in in the aspect of Harold's ending because of it. I mean, it's probably a good reason why people did start to feel bad for Harold Mm -hmm. in this episode because the episode was slowed down. This I really enjoyed the pacing of this episode. And because of that, the pacing of this episode and the reasons behind it, the writer and the director, it makes me really excited for next week. Yeah. Because it's it's technically the finale and it's the same three people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know Vincenzo Natale is directing and I know um, Stephen King and Owen are not writers on next week, but just um, Vincenzo Natale alone directing again. Yeah. Makes me feel like we're going to get a nice paced finale to this story. And I'm I'm really excited for the way this story is going to wrap up. I'm excited for that, too. It, it When I looked it up and saw that Vincenzo Natale was the director, I was like, well, that makes perfect sense. He He's done. He's He's got great directing creds. You know, y'all have to look him up on IMDb. But, um, you know, I know he did a couple of episodes also of Lock and Key. Um and he's he's done lock and key. He's done the strain. Hannibal in the tall grass. He, in um, the tall grass. He's done a couple episodes of Westworld. Yeah, he's um, he's been around. Yeah. So yeah, and and I I love his directing style. And in fact, you know, the couple of episodes that he directed in Lock and Key were a couple of my favorites. You know, they were kind of the same with the pacing and how it it really told a, a good story. And um, love that as well. And that was actually um, a Joe Hill. Lock and Key is based on the comics by Joe Hill, who is also uh, Stephen King's son. <laughs> so, yes. And, and, he, and he had a lot. Um, I, I believe he also, gosh, I'd have to go back and look. F- forgive me. It was February of last year when we covered this. So it was almost a year ago when we covered it. But um, I think he did the screenplay as well. I mean, he had help, but I think he also did the majority of the screenplay writing it for uh, the screen, not just the... Um, the comics. So, um, but yeah, you could, you could, they just had a different feel to them, those episodes. So yeah, it didn't surprise me when I saw that. I thought, wow, that's why, you know, that's probably, he played a, a, a big part and you're right. It was a good decision to have this, you know, play out. And we've, we've kind of, com- you know, I've complained a, a little bit about the, um, lack of character development and not quite feeling the weight of like when Nick died. I mean, I felt bad, but I lacked a little bit of connection there with Nick. And I think that knowing what's going to happen next episode, that now we're going to feel the weight of that. Mm -hmm. We are going to be stirred emotionally because we've spent this time with them in this episode on how well it was paced out. It wasn't rushed. And um, so I think it was definitely on purpose. And and I'm already... I'm already predicting I'm going to get choked up next week. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm already too. predicting I'm going to get choked up with this next episode. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think I... Because I think Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear. <laughs> no, I mean... In, Protect in, him. And I know we joke about Greg Kinnear, <laughs> but I mean, in all seriousness, like I, Irene Bedard, 
who plays Ray and Joven Adepo, who's playing like Larry, they're all killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in this episode in particular. Like, I don't even really, I, I don't even think there was really a part of me that really connected with Ray that much until even this until episode. this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so she a I'm, lot, a lot lacking, and and she's not Ray in the book. It's Ralph, but I know that they gave Ralph a lot more, and you you felt connected. You know, you felt mm-hmm. a connection with that character, and I know a lot of people. Uh, you know, talk about that as well, the lack of it here in the show. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. We haven't got, gotten a lot with Ray um, here. So it, it's it. I, I got it this episode. And I think yeah. that it that's why, because they want to pack a big punch and they want to make us feel it. And maybe maybe that's why they made the decisions that they did. Maybe that's why they rushed through some things in the beginning, because they knew they were going to kind of, you know, pull the reins back a little bit and slow things down. So that way the story could or you know the ending could have a, an impact and make you feel something i don't know uh, i'll have to read more about it once once we get there to the ending and and you know people are kind of talking about it then and um you know and we can talk about spoilers and stuff so i don't know but i agree with you good good choices yeah. this week i was i was really pleased with the pacing and again it gets me incredibly excited for the way this story is going to wrap up next week yep me too can't wait can't believe we're almost there already I know. I can't believe it. This this went by so fast. It did go by really fast. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man. Um so that leads us to your number one. My number one is Nadine. Okay. Uh, that was number two when I said number one and number two. So I'm glad you chose number one now. Yeah. Because Nadine was my other one. Makes that sense. I chosen, so, so you'll you'll have talking points then. You can just join right in. So Exactly. So Nadine, of course, we've talked a little bit about her already with her interaction with Harold, so I I won't repeat any of that. But, you know, after that takes place and she's continuing on her journey, she does finally uh, run into Flag. And um, they are finally able to consummate their relationship. You know, they have a moment and you can see where they're kind of fading. I got a little confused. I'm like, is she really in Vegas? And then it's like, okay, so no, she's not. He's just kind of sweeping her up into this like dream world, you know, where he tends to, you know, meet a lot of the people like they're out in the desert, but nope, they're here. And so I got a little bit confused there for, for a minute, but I guess that was, I guess the effect that they're going for, um, so I liked all of that. They 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 have their interactions and um, they they do finally consummate their relationship. Um, good scene, by the way, and that's all I'll say about that because I'm going to. <laughs> oh, you know, you want to say more you know, about that scene. I don't. You know, I'd like to subvert. Expectations. I want to say more about that scene. I'm sure you do, and you can say whatever you want about Amber Heard. I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna I, subvert I, expectations. I, People are expecting me to go on and on about it, and you know what? I'm not going to. I'm going I was to say because. You you liked one half of that scene. I enjoyed the other half of that scene. Yeah, so, we both know, got it's... something out of that for sure. <laughs> Just different different perspectives for sure. I know it was funny. One of the listeners um, commented and said, has anyone checked on Rima yet over that <laughs> flag, scene with Flag? <laughs> and I was like, bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your concern. Um, I am fine now. I've, <laughs> I have recovered um, gracefully. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. Yeah. You know what? Look, um, not that it wasn't absolutely fantastic, but look, I, I watched True Blood, and if you've seen True Blood, then there was no shortage of a naked Alexander Skarsgård. He has zero issue with running around naked, and so much so that he even um, turned down wearing one of those uh, modesty socks. 
that so, okay that, so that, i'm you know so i i'm i'm i never finished true blood so there's a lot of it that i don't remember mm-hmm. has he done full frontal in, in true blood in the finale he did full frontal Oh, okay, so I didn't see that episode. Not that I'm going to run out and watch it purely because he does full frontal. I was just curious if he really is that modest and he has and he has done it. No, he uh or not modest rather. No. He he's he's not modest at all. He would walk around and even when he wasn't doing full frontal, you know, you know, you're walking around on set, you have to walk out and eventually either disrobe or, you know, peel something off to to get into the scene if you're nude. And apparently he was like, you know, they're like, "Oh, do you want your, you know, the 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 little modest I think it's called a modest sock, I think is what I read once, you know, and no, I'm good." Yeah. So he's he is fine and he is comfortable. He is Swedish and they have different attitudes about nude. He's very comfortable in his own skin, um, so I am. I am not new to a nude Alexander Skarsgård. It was a great scene, but I'm gonna, you know, I won't. I won't linger on that because I. I like how you said you, we weren't going to spend any time on this, and we just and yet we spent like the past three minutes talking about. Well, yeah. Well, I, I didn't talk about it on the stand. I talked about True Blood. Uh, so, it's true. True. <laughs> and I'm not going to fawn over it like people think I'm going to. It's it's it was a but it was an, but what I wanted to focus on is that as they are consummating their relationship and you know it seems all you know just pleasurable on both sides. It turns really dark and ugly. You know, Nadine starts to feel that something is really wrong. And, you know, from my understanding, from what I read, is that this was, you know, different than the book. It's a lot lighter. Not that it wasn't dark, but, you know, it was, I think, really violent in in the book and how Flag just basically, like, rapes her, which we see here. And then she sees, like, his true, I, I guess, is maybe his true... It's true form. Yeah, his true form. Yeah. Totally freaks her out. And so I'm I'm really curious now to see what's going to happen to Nadine because, man, there at the end, you know, she. I have a theory. <laughs> well, I'm 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 anxious to hear it because she's now from the the time it takes, you know, from her to get where she was in um, there in the desert. She's in Vegas, and then the rest of the group now has, which we haven't talked about that yet, but I'm sure that we will. Um, the rest of the group has joined up, and she has greeted them. She is out of her mind like i feel like she is um completely traumatized after her experience with flag like that experience of him you know raping her has left her you know she's um because i think in the book they said she was just basically catatonic um in the book like it totally yeah like she went mad comatose Yeah. yeah so um here she's not quite there but now she's hugely pregnant the thing is moving. You can see it moving in her belly, and it is literally sucking the life out of her. And that is one complaint I will say about this show is I don't know who did the makeup on her, but it looked like something, um, you know, like an eight-year-old would do. And, oh, that sounds terrible. It's a really bad insult to, like, the makeup artist, but it was just really bad. Um, it looked like a terrible, well, z- like, zombie, you know, makeup job. But well, I don't, I don't, I, I kind of disagree with that. Okay. Um, in defense of the makeup artist, All I right. actually thought it looked pretty good. Um, I think I, I totally bought the fact that she is basically, like you said, the life is being drained from her. She yeah. is basically, I mean, my theory on this is that she is basically gone. She's gone. She's gone. I th- Mentally, she's this gone. Ba- this is a walking catatonic state. Yeah. Because even like when we see her, we get that vision of her at the end of how she looks and how she is kind of, she's basically Bride of Frankenstein at this point. Like she mm-hmm. is, 
she she's a walking corpse at this point because it, it, they really they did a really good job of setting it up because even as she's leaving when you, we see flag hovering and he says you know you know will you go and greet our guests and she walks out and we see rat uh, you know rat girl like following her and they're kind of giving her those strange looks right and then she gets in the elevator and she, she you know we see her like all still you know looking beautiful She's looking at her own reflection. Yeah. This is yeah. what she sees of herself. Right. This That's is who not she... what she actually looks like. Exactly. And I got that. I got that. I, I you know, so, yeah. I, and, and I mean, you can tell how traumatized she is because she, she doesn't see herself with her true reflection. She is seeing who she thinks she is. But, I mean, it left her hair white. Like, it totally just, like, her hair is all white. It's not blonde anymore. And That's she is completely. sex glow. Right. <laughs> Well, if it's that good, sign me up. Cause, <laughs> so I will live with white hair. I mean, she went how long without sex? That's an amazing glow from finally getting laid, right? I mean, I mean she looked pretty happy there when she was leaving the desert when they were getting ready to get in the car. I mean, she was definitely like walking on clouds. I don't know what she looked like in that moment if we were just seeing like similar like her reflection. But if it if it's that good, it turns my hair white. I'm okay with that. Um, I'll go on record with that. But I mean, I get that she's seeing, you know, who she thinks she is seeing. Like that's that's like what she thinks on the inside of what she looks like. And I know it's, it is, they did a really good job with that too, is they're kind of looking at her in the elevator, like, wow, she doesn't look good at all. But of course she's, you know, preening herself in the reflection and moving her hair around. And yeah, she looks amazing. And, and I get that they were, what they were trying to go for. I just don't think they conveyed it with the makeup very well. I just, I think it was too heavy handed, honestly. Um, But I get it. Yeah. I mean, she is like a corpse. She's like, a zombie and she's completely like she's gone she's gone i think she's nothing i mean at this point her her mind is like her mind is kind of gone like she's trapped as of right now her consciousness in my opinion her consciousness is trapped inside of an empty vessel that's meant for nothing more exactly than to feed this new life i honestly think i mean i mean i don't know like to the detail of what's going to happen but to me she's serving no more purpose than what harold did i mean she's there to like basically be an incubator oh, think, uh for yeah. for his i think i think fawn. even i think i think even that purpose is gone at this point, I think now her her only purpose is to give life to his his. Spawn. Yeah, I think she's just a walking incubator at this point. She is, and then she's going to give birth, what and whatever happens to her at that point, he 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 gives no care for her at all. So, I think he's you know using her like he does everyone else. I'm I'm really curious because they've kind of deviated away in her story from from the book. Um, you know, because again, she has kind of left comatose in the book, and in the book, I know she commits suicide. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's what they're going to do with her character. I don't know if they're going to like have her give birth and then she's going to die during birth, or she'll commit suicide after birth or before birth. I don't know. I'm I'm very curious what they're yeah, going to do. Me too, because we're kind of past that point, weren't they? Uh, and and again, I, I can't use the book as a reference, but in the '94 series, they weren't in Vegas yet. They were on their way, and I think Flag said, "Oh well, your friends are on their way." Or some, I'm paraphrasing; I don't know the exact quote, but I think he alerted her that they were almost there, and that's when she committed suicide. Um, I think th- you're right. This was a little I'm, bit I, different, so we're at a little bit of a different time because she's actually greeting them. Yeah, 
So yeah, because yeah, because I don't think she ever in the ninety four. I don't think she ever gives birth. I right. don't think they ever reveal that she's pregnant. I could be completely she, wrong on that. I do not remember seeing her at all. If they, I cannot remember if they alluded to it, but she was not visibly pregnant. Let's say that they were definitely were not like her, where she is very unmistakably visibly pregnant. Nine months and nine minutes. Yeah. 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 With you can see the arms and legs and things like that through her 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 clothes. You know that thing moving around, whatever that thing is. So. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't. You didn't know that. If if that's what's the case, I honestly don't remember if they revealed. I'm that sure or not. the. I'm sure the listeners will let us. know. I'm sure someone out there will let us. I'm. Know. I'm sure they will. And and we thank you for it. Yes. Oh yeah, I don't mean that in a sarcastic <laughs> way. I'm. I'm. I'm absolutely truthful. I'm sure somebody out there will let us know if we're. I. If, I. If we're I. Incorrectly. Look forward to it always. Like yes, please correct me. I know I'm yeah. probably wrong. There are so many things it's I get it, wrong. It's interesting to note, though, too, that after after their encounter um, in in the desert, um, the next time we see her and we get that moment where we realize she's pregnant because she's holding her stomach mm-hmm. or because there's pain in her stomach, there's an RF carved into her leg. Yeah, she, she's his now. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's no if ends or buts about it. She served her purpose. Her body is his now. Oh yeah, he he branded her in more ways than one psychologically yeah. emotionally and physically for sure she is his she is his property yeah very toxic relationship for sure i i didn't enjoy that part of it i don't like that i don't like to see the bad it was hard watching big little lies and watching alexander skarsgård play such an asshole um but he was good isn't at it. that isn't that so weird like i mean i know this is kind of getting off topic but it's like it's rough when i see actors who I I know personally are nice people because mm-hmm. I've met them. Mm-hmm. Like I've been I've like I've been on stage with them or I've met them. Like I know they're great people, like they're incredibly nice people, but then you see them play these characters that are completely off character. Yeah. And it it kind of stuns you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of shakes you up. I mean, I know from my personal experience, you know, from working the con circuit, Brandon Routh, mm-hmm. who's been on Legends and played Superman, Superman. is an in, is an incredibly nice guy. And he's playing a racist cop in The Rookie right now. Ooh, wow. And I'm like, this is kind of rough for me to watch. Yeah. Because I know he's not this person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I get, like, how, like, it would have been tough for you to watch things like Shocking. this, like, with him. and Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wow. I mean, and I mean, that's why they call it acting. So, you, you know, you know, oh, yeah. acting, but it's still, it's, it's a little bit of a shocker when you know how nice that they are and that somehow they're able to draw from something to be able to pull that off, you know, so well. So, so yeah, that, that was, that was not a fun, fun part to have to watch to see how, you know, he, you know, after Nadine is, you know, as he continuously, you know, rapes her and, and, and the way that he's basically has her held captive that, you know, in in this way and how he's using her, um, that's hard to watch, but, uh, that is a character, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll dis- disassociate the actor with the character like we always do. Um, so yeah, that was that was my number one was Nadine. Wait, wait to see what happens and what fate befalls her next, and how they decide to play that out. Since we've already had a little bit of a change in direction. Yeah, I'm glad you used that though, because like I said, that was one of the two I had, <laughs> and you and you chose the other. I one, chose so wisely. Was- that worked out. I remembered the face that of my father. Really 
Um, I guess that leads us into some final it's notes. notes. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what notes you've got. So I, I really only have a couple because I've actually been getting really good at incorporating some of my notes into the conversations we're already having mm-hmm. with, with the top three. Um, so I really don't have many left. I've kind of put a lot of them in there. Um, I, I got to say, when it came to the scene with Randall Flagg and Nadine, um, who, I mean, who would have thought Randall Flagg was a romantic? I mean... He, he did the rose petals, and he greeted her with some rose and a red petals carpet. and a red carpet, and he had a nice little rose in his lapel with a glass of milk. I mean, he's harmless, right? <laughs> so... Yeah, I you know yeah. it's that it's that charming aspect of him mm-hmm. that makes him more dangerous than being than being just pure evil. Yep, absolutely. You know, if, I mean, if if it, he shows himself as a complete monster, why? I mean, people would tend to be more frightened of him, right? So it it makes yeah. sense. Yep. Um, in regards to uh, Randall Flagg's true form, I'm glad that they went that route because I know in the 94, it was kind of a little cartoonish. A little bit, um, yeah. You know, we saw we saw a guy dressed in all red with horns. It was very cartoonish to the devil. Yeah. Uh, this way, they kind of made it seem like you don't know what he is. Yeah. Um, he's he's not a devil. He's a demon. We, but we don't know what he is. We just know he is not human. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like the way they handled it in this one. Uh, and left that that aspect open. Uh, New Vegas. I actually really liked what we saw of New Vegas this week. Me too. We got more. We got less hedonism, more hellscape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people being treated as slaves. People like kids roaming the streets, beating on adults um, in the streets. It, it was. We got a little bit more outside of the casino, even though it wasn't much. But we know that that we do know now that there are things that are happening outside of the casino. Yeah. Uh, And then when we get the look inside the casino, it just looks like a casino. There's not Mm -hmm. there's not sex happening on the floor. There's no fights. It just again, this is what I imagined New Vegas to be from the beginning. It was a hellscape, not hedonism. Right. And the bodies hanging. um Yes. As they're coming into town, as they're going down there, and you see all the bodies um, like crucified um, on the street, and how they were like the the statue that they have of Caesar outside of Caesar's palace was transformed to look like Randall Flag. All of the uh, like signs um, and the TVs playing had like propaganda of that horn, that that no whiners horn. <laughs> Like constantly throughout that scene. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, I, that would have driven me crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it really is kind of, I mean, when it plays out that way, if you think about that, it it really is kind of a torture. Mm-hmm. That horn could be like a, a sense of torture to kind of keep people in line. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to forget that horn. Exactly. Exactly. So, Yeah. Uh, the only other two notes I have, um, one is, is going to sound kind of funny, but, um, in the scene with, uh, in, um, in flag suite, as the camera is, is panning, we see a, a glass jar in the form of a skull. Hmm. Um, that is crystal head vodka. It's made by Dan Aykroyd. It's Dan Aykroyd's vodka company. Nice. And, and that is some of the crispest, tastiest vodka you will 
ever drink. Really? I've never had I don't it. want this... Th- I don't want this to sound like a product promotion. We are not um, getting paid or promoted but, by. But yeah. <laughs> but let me tell you, I don't drink vodka straight because mm-hmm. I just, I'm not crazy about vodka straight. I'll drink it in mixers, but I don't drink it straight. I will drink that vodka straight until the bottle is gone. Really? Well, I'm a, I, it, I happen to be a fan of vodka and I typically lean towards, now Belvedere is my favorite, but I will definitely do a Grey Goose. Grey Goose or Belvedere um, and I will drink I'm not a straight vodka drinker either. I usually prefer in mixers as well, but I could drink Belvedere straight. I could sip it, and and that's fine with me. Um, so I'm a fan. I have not tried that. I'm. It's have to it's try. a little expensive. It's a little expensive. Well, it's about it's about forty to fifty dollars a bottle. Little, little Bel- Belvedere is a little high too. So you know, special exactly. occasion. Exactly. So it's if it's it's a vodka that is triple distilled through Herkimer diamonds oh it is that say no incredib- more that- <laughs> it is incredibly refined and it is one of the smoothest like i said i don't drink vodka straight i will drink this straight interesting i didn't I'm, even know Dan Aykroyd had I a have, vodka line i know i know the oh, whole yeah. thing that you know all the celebrities love to do a tequila brand right so, like every celebrity has like a tequila brand um but i i didn't realize that he had a vodka line so i want to try that i i bought not this past christmas the previous christmas i bought one of my best friends a bottle of that um for christmas and i had never had it before mm-hmm. but i had heard so many good things about it and it got to the point where when he finally he popped it open at the Christmas party, I gave it to him and it got to the point that a quarter of that bottle was gone because we were legitimately standing in his kitchen, just handing it around, taking sips out of the oh, bottle. Oh, that's amazing. And it's in a cool bottle to boot, you know, yeah. keepsake. It's a cool keepsake bottle. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. Good to know. I had no I may idea. Have to, I may have to get myself another bottle. Now I know soon. what I'm doing my next shopping trip. <laughs> Uh, the last note I have, um, yeah, I want to hear the full track of Baby Can You Dig Your Man. Right? That It sounded like a fantastic song. Ex- yeah, we finally got it here in Vegas. Um, I, I want to hear the whole thing. I do too. I hope they, re- I hope they release it. I hope they it. release it. Yeah. We'll have to look to see if they have like an official like soundtrack or, or something. Um. And we get the full thing. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. That was fantastic. I I heard it and I'm like, okay, I instantly know what this is because I'm hearing the words to it. And this is something that would be in my playlist. Heck yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. So I, I want to hear the whole thing and I hope... I, I hope CBS does does right and they and they release it because they had they had to have written it and recorded it exactly. just to play that track exactly why why just do that bit what you have to do the whole song right I mean yeah that would be dumb there ha- there has to be a version of the entire song out there I agree we're gonna find it so I um I want to hear it right, but that's uh that's it from from my notes what about you. You actually covered my notes. A, a big part of it oh. was, um, you know, Glenn and Ray and Larry coming into Vegas. And, and, and now we get to see a little bit of something, like you said, outside the hotel. So that was my notes. I wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on that, too. Um, so we, we talked about that. That's all I've got and everything else we've already talked about. So Okay. Perfect. Did you have, um, I, I, I myself didn't have any news items, but I think you mentioned that you might have something. Did you have some, a little thing that you wanted to share? News item. Two, uh, 
two little tidbits. Okay. Um, one is basically, let me find it. <laughs> I should have <laughs> had it ready. Oh, um, so Cinema Blend reported Stephen King talking uh, on Twitter after episode five. Mm-hmm. Um, he is basically gushing about how pleased he is with this adaptation of the work. Awesome. Um, and everyone involved with it. He is actually, it's rare that he gets this excited about adaptations of his work. Yep, that's and true. For for all the people that are out there complaining about changes to the story, look, if Stephen King is is, is behind it and happy with it, I'm happy with it. I, that's all I need to hear. That's, and I think that I talked about that in the beginning a little bit, not specifically what he said, but just the, you know, little bits of news that I heard prior to the show being released was that Stephen King was on board. Like he, he does have a little bit of a departure from adaptations, but they kept him in the loop. Like here's scripts and here's where we're at and here's where we're going. And so he was kept in the loop and he was giving his thumbs up. Along the way, Stephen King is not shy. You you know where you stand with in no no pun intended mm-hmm. there, but you know where you stand with Stephen King. If he doesn't like it, you know, he didn't. He never he'll, he'll never care for Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining. He did not like that, and you know, I mean, he he wasn't rude about it or anything, but he has made it clear where he where his thoughts are with that, and he'll let you know if he likes it or not. And uh, so you don't have to wonder. And I feel like if he gives it his thumbs up, that was enough for me. And that's why I know when we started talking about the show and and people, and it's fine. It's fine to have those opinions and it's fine if you don't like it. But that's my reasoning behind it. That was why I was willing to go into this with open eyes and an open heart because Stephen King gave it his stamp of approval. And I thought if he, if he's giving it a thumbs up and I mean, he's the one that wrote it. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah, me too. I That's mean, good to the know. Fact that he's, the fact that he's gushing over it, you know, from episode five on, like I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Doesn't matter if, how many changes they make. If he's happy, I'm happy. Yep. So um, the only other tidbit I have is there is actually a pretty obvious Stephen King uh, Easter egg that has been in almost every episode that we've kind of glanced over. Oh God, what, I'm um, embarrassed now. What did we? What did we the, looked over? The smiley face button. Yeah, it's in regards to Mister Mercedes, which was a trilogy of stories written by Stephen King. Oh yeah, yeah. The the the, the killer smiley is from Mister Mercedes. So they're just utilizing it for Randall Flagg's character with the stand. Okay. But they also, but I mean, the '94 version had the smiley face button, right? So it's it's fitting that. Did it? I don't remember. I am almost positive. Now I'm gonna have I, to look. I know. I'm, I'm the same way. Um, I don't remember if it was in the '94 or not. Um, everything I'm seeing as I'm looking right now is only showing the 2021 stand. He has a button on his jacket. Um, maybe it's not the smiley face. I'm trying to zoom. I'm, I can't see it. Damn it. It's cut off. Maybe you'll find, oh, here's a better one. He does. But have they used it like as much with the animated, with the they, smiley face being animated and such? I don't they remember didn't, them doing that in the 94. It was not animated, but he does have a button on his, he's got two buttons and there's i can't read i can't read this one it's red it looks like and then just underneath it is the smiley face now you're right it was not animated they didn't zoom in on it they didn't focus on it and it certainly was not animated to like it would make that like evil little grin and it would make like those little evil eyes 
but he did he did have I, I see the image you're looking at yeah mm-hmm. and he he does yeah 94's uh Jamie Sheridan's version does have the the smiley face button so maybe the smiley face button was maybe Mr. Mercedes took it from the stand then maybe it's the other way around you never know because worlds cross yep in the Stephen King world all all beams meet at the dark, at the dark tower so and they're all related so could be but i like that yeah i i uh i never watched that series and i haven't i don't i think i missed that book i never watched it either i just kind of found it in passing as i was doing research online mm-hmm. i like it so oh i remember one more note i had from this episode um yeah, I, I don't care what they've done with his character. I never once throughout the run of this series bought Lloyd as a right-hand man. Not even in this episode. Really? Yeah. Did you? No. Yeah. I never once bought him as a right-hand man to fly. I looked at him as nothing more than a goon who did his work. He's so cartoonish. I'm still not yeah. quite sure what what why they felt the need for this direction of the character. I, I cannot take him seriously at all. Um, yeah. he, he just looks like a, a cartoonish pimp to me. <laughs> you know? I bought I bought Ratwoman more as a right-hand person mm-hmm. than I did Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. That That's a little questionable to me. I'm not quite sure why they went that way with that character. I don't know if it's because Vegas... You know, Vegas is flamboyant, uh, a little over the top, you know, I don't know. And we didn't get to see a whole lot of him prior to, except at the, at the, where they uh, robbed the store. So it it was kind of hard to know, is that just how he is in general? Like, is that just outside of jail and outside of nearly dying? Is, is that just how he was in life? Was he just this flamboyant kind of character, kind of over the top? I don't know. Because we didn't get a whole lot of backstory with him other than uh, when he was robbing the store and then he was in New Vegas. So, I don't know. I, I don't really care for it that yeah. much. I don't. I, I do, I think, like Miguel Ferrer's um, version a little bit better. He, he was more of like a, like a mafia guy. Kind of like a very... Yeah, oh. You know... I, I bought I bought his version as a right-hand Totally. Man. Like, he's the one that kept the law in order and you took him seriously. And he didn't... Didn't yeah. jack around. I, this version of Lloyd feels more like a gopher. Yeah. Yeah. You know, go for this and go for that. Like, that's more... That I, like I said, I, in, the, in the episodes prior, I felt like Julie felt more like she had more power than Lloyd. Yeah. We haven't seen her in a while either, so... We'll see her next week, I'm sure. She'll probably be there. She's going to she's gonna meet her fate like the rest of the other ones. I think. Like the rest of them. I think so. We'll probably at least get her for a couple minutes. I'm sure. Yeah. Cool. So, those those that, are good yeah, little that's, tidbits. That's everything I got. Thanks. Um, well, that then brings us to my favorite part of the podcast, and that is our listener feedback. Uh, the first one that we have is from Lindsay Schlicht. She says, why did they bring Kojak with them? I thought for sure he'd stay with <laughs> Franny. Now I have to be extra terrified each episode. At the very least, he seems to have stayed back with Stu because I can't see him surviving the trip to Vegas. I'm not sad Harold's punk incel ass is dead. As much as I'm not a Nadine fan, the way he spoke to her, 
I'm glad she tricked him into running himself off the road. The actor was great, but I'll be glad to not see the character anymore. I was definitely tired of the Herald show. Even half dead and impaled on a tree, he had more screen time than anyone. I'm a little confused about Mother Abigail's orders. Take no food or water, but it's okay to collect it along the way. I hope the purpose of that is clarified. Love the scene with Ray and the guys asking if she knew uh, safe water. (laughs) I know in the past you guys have discussed Whoopi not looking old enough for the role. Well, whatever they did this week changed that. She looked old as hell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad other people noticed that too this week. Yeah, that's really funny. Um, A rose petal pathway to Alexander Skarsgård is not a bad way to be welcomed, even with whatever (laughs) gross-ass demon thing he's revealed to be later on. Might be worth a demon, baby. Another solid episode that makes me kind of sad. It's almost over. All good things must come to an end, but I could do with a few more episodes. Feels like a lot is left to go. I agree. I don't really think, I, but I don't think there is a lot left to go. Uh, maybe not I, I, at the end. They could have maybe used a couple more in the beginning. Yeah, I agree with that. We could have made this... Between one and five, maybe. they could have used a, another episode or two to fill out some character development. I feel like if they made this a 10 episode series with 11 being the coda, mm-hmm. we could have gotten a lot more story told yeah. that way. Um, but as far as at the point that we are now, I really don't think there is a lot left to tell. No, not at this point. I think we're just going to ride this baby out where we're at. But I think in in the beginning, we could have used it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Lindsay. Our next one comes from Laura Willie Swink. I liked this episode better than the last few, especially for the interaction between the four committee members on their quest to Vegas. However, there are some major changes in this series to Mother Abigail's and Franny's stories that would have much better justified Mother a- Mother's outlandish mission to send the committee across the mountains and the desert in the winter with no food, no drink, and only the clothes on their backs. Without those parts of the book, it makes it seem really ridiculous that everyone, even Franny, who is losing her partner, maybe for good when she sees him when she needs him most, is totally on board with no questions asked. Totally missed opportunity. Also, again, I truly feel this was the Harold Lauder show. Hmm. Even even at his end, he goes out with us feeling some compassion for him as he takes full responsibility for his actions and expresses regret. Sadly, I'm not feeling that for Nadine, even though we should. She's such a tragic character who has been manipulated and deceived most of her life. Her character should have been given so much more pathos, but I'm just not having any strong feelings for her. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yep. Um, you know, I, I again, everybody calling it the Harold Louder show. I well, f- be relieved we're not getting that next week. Uh, yeah, I think I think <laughs> we're finally done now that we're at the end. <laughs> Unless he's like a, a a force ghost. Oh gosh, no! Don't put that out in the world. <laughs> Great thoughts, Laura. Thank you so much um, for your input. Thank you, Laura. Uh, next one is from Doug Fick. He says, "We are moving now. I think um, appears we should have an eventful final two episodes. The opening scene with Trashy removing a nuclear warhead with a battery-powered angle grinder left me thinking seriously." But when he drove away with the warhead strapped to his vehicle and coupled with his outfit, he looked like the humongous character and his vehicle from the Road Warrior chase scene. So long, Harold, you putts. You deserved this unceremonious uh, demise. It was cool to see the buzzards pecking at his face, though. And the point of the gang not being able to take any food or water with them 
but you can get it on the way? What's the difference? Seems a little silly, but the shot of them leaving the empty streets of Boulder reminded me of when the boys returned to town and stand by me. But when Mother A told them they had to go to the Dark Man stronghold, you could almost read their minds with Vince Vaughn yelling, Vegas, baby, Vegas. <laughs> Where's Tom Cullen? Uh, Nadine, was it worth the wait? Rima? I will say I do not like Nadine's new look. A little gaunt for my taste. I don't think we've seen the last of Stu. Kojak will save him. I would like a Tom Cullen slash Kojak spinoff show. Looking forward to a resolution. I like the show, but I'm not invested in any character at this point. Hmm. I did, however, wish I could watch the next episode right after this one. So that is a good sign, I think. Um. Yeah, I mean... It's a bit of a spoiler, but I mean, you know, when you said like, where is Tom Cullen? And uh, I don't think we've late seen the last of Stu. Uh, those two things kind of go hand in hand. More to that's, come. Uh, that's coming up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next from Ginger Martinez. I started the audiobook and now I'm a bit ahead of the show. I wasn't highly impressed the first few episodes. For me, I think it's a combination of the acting from a couple actors and the writing in limitations of telling this tale in nine episodes. The show has become much more enjoyable with the book as a base. The book has given me more background and depth of the characters. For example, Mother Abigail's story is almost completely missing from the show. I don't feel connected to her or understand why she's so important. The same is true for Nick, but they have done a slightly better job with his character. Also, Lloyd. He's an idiot in the show. (laughs) But I'm to believe he's a second in command. Preach. Uh, In the book, I actually have some empathy for him. He seems more human and real. I know it sounds like I dislike the show. Truly, I do like it, but it's not a five-star show for me. I think they needed two to three seasons to fully capture the story. Can't wait for your book coverage. Thanks for the pod. It It makes the experience so much better. Cheers. Oh. Thank you. I, I, I completely agree, though, too. I mean, we mentioned it earlier. Mother Abigail's story has been very skimmed. Yep. Uh, Nick's wasn't given the justice that it should have. We just got done talking about Lloyd and our feelings about mm-hmm. him in this series. So we're right there with you, Ginger. And it's um, I don't know if two to three seasons, though, would have been. I think that would have been overkill. Um, maybe a, a full I mean, if if they were ten episodes seasons, maybe two. Maybe I could see them stretching out and telling a really good story in two in two ten episode seasons. Yeah, kind of like a Netflix. Um, but yeah, but I mean, even still, like I said, even if they even like we mentioned earlier, even if they had just extended this season a good two to three episodes, I think that would have done drastic changes to the storytelling. Yeah, they it would have helped. It would have helped. Yeah. And, but thanks, Ginger. Yeah, thanks, Ginger. And kudos for jumping into the audiobook. 48 hours, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that what we <laughs> yes, said for the is. unabridged version? 48 hours? Yeah. So kudos to you yes, for um, jumping into that, because that's that's some dedication. Um, thanks for that feedback. Um, we have a couple of emails. The first one that we have is from Jenny. She says, wow, my favorite episode so far. This one was the closest to the book yet, almost exactly like the book, in fact. I appreciate that because of all the important events covered from Mother Abigail sending the committee members on the walk to flag, Stu's fall, and everything with Harold and Nadine. I loved it so much. Not sure how much I like what they have done to Trash Can Man as a character, but Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller is acting the hell out of the part, so that's good. Zombie-looking pregnant Nadine is a departure from what I remember from the other versions, but sure, whatever. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> I'm glad you're in for the ride, Jenny. Thanks. 
We're happy you're here. Yes. Uh, the second email we have comes from Autumn, which, yay, she continued to write yes, back. Yes, thank you, it. Autumn. Uh, this may be too late, but for the last episode, I feel like Nadine's outsides finally match your insides. Uh, and I hope that thing eats its way out. <laughs> that may sound gruesome, but it, is also, but it is also in a teen book and movies and movie series we all love or love to hate. Ah, uh, yes. So. I know exactly what you're talking about, Autumn. Um, and yeah, that's... I think a good point that her outsides finally match her insides. I think that's a, a fair assessment. And I would agree with you. The, the, the teen book and movie series, uh, is it in regards to sparkly vampires? Yes. Okay. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I know you don't want to talk about it. I know, I know your feelings on that whole series. Yeah. This is not I, news I to me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Autumn, again, for writing in. Really appreciate that. Um, we do have some voicemails this week. Um, looks like the first one that we have on the roster is Archmaester Rennie. Um, I'm so delighted that she is um, Me sending too. in. She's just leaves some great stuff. Greetings, residents of the Boulder Free Zone. So Stephen King has said that before he wrote The Stand, he had wanted to write an epic like Lord of the Rings in an American setting. And so the Lord of the Rings is an influence in The Stand, as well as on The Dark Tower. And even in The Stand, there's a scene where Dana in New Vegas sees something that she thinks of as looking like the Eye of Sauron. So the influence is even right there in the text. Well, in this episode... There's an homage, I think, to the movies of The Lord of the Rings, um, where at 26 minutes in to the episode, the camera circles around the four who are walking as they're on top of this ridge in a beautiful mountain landscape. And then there's an overhead shot of them walking in a line through snow. And then there's a close in on their faces as they walk slowly past the camera. And those shots really mirror shots from the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, I've always thought of The Lord of the Rings could best be described as a book about people walking. And this episode was called The Walk. And this segment of the novel is about people walking so very appropriate i i love that that's i if you could see my face as i was listening to that voicemail i my jaw dropped because she is absolutely right it is very reminiscent of peter jackson and the film mm -hmm. aspects he took of the fellowship traveling um you know, to traveling to Mordor. Yeah. So it's, she's she was spot, spot on, on and I never picked up she on that. She does not miss a and beat, I, let me tell you. <laughs> and I even mentioned earlier on how Stephen King thinks of like, mm -hmm. you know, this is like his Lord of the exactly. Rings and Trash Can Man is his Gollum. Mm -hmm. Like that plays right into it. And I'm I like, love that. I'm all, I'm all struck right now that she's, abs not that she's right, but, but that, that influences there, mm -hmm. and I never. I didn't up pick up on it. It has now. been a day since I have seen Lord of the Rings, and um, I, I actually wanted to try and get my daughter to watch it over Christmas while she was here visiting. She hasn't seen it yet, and um, it, it was never 
white. Her thing, she's a little bit nerdy like me, but not quite as nerdy. And so she hasn't seen it um, in full. Um, so yeah, it's been a while since I watched it, but that was a great pickup. And, and I don't know if that was intentionally, um, it almost kind of sounded like she drifted off there a little bit at her voicemail. So I don't know if she accidentally cut herself off or, but that seems to be all that I have. So, um, sorry if that was not your voicemail in its entirety, but that was all that I got there. Um, Archmaster Rennie. That was all, that was all I needed. That I know great. that was fantastic. <laughs> and what a great observation. What's so great about getting listener feedback is, is you get some extra context and some things that you totally miss and just really makes you appreciate it even more. Yeah. That was great. Thank you so much, Archmaster Rennie. Look forward to hearing uh, from you more. Um, Next voicemail we have is from our good friend, Gemma. She also says um, that they played Baby Can You Dig Your Man in Vegas sounded good. She adds to her voicemail. So let's see what Gemma has to say. Hi, Rima and Ben. This is Gemma calling from South Wales of Feedback for The Stand, Episode 7. I think this is my favourite episode of the whole season so far. It was really, really thrilling. And um, like I said, I've just read the book, so all the events were kind of really fresh in my mind. So it was really, really interesting to see it play out on screen. I did feel really sorry for Harold and his death, um, even though what he'd just done to Nick. And I felt, I think I was on the side of Larry that how could you not have sympathy for him? Just a boy at the end of the day. And he was kind of, you know, he made his own choices, but it was still not a nice way to go. And um, he was impaled as well, which is awful to see. And yeah, I did have a bit of compassion for him because like, how could you not? Anyway, um, watching Stu fall down um, the ravine, I knew it was coming as well, but it was just horrible to see. It was a horrible snap in the leg. Um, but I think Kojak is going to be with him. That was good. Um, Alexander Skarsgård and Nadine. <laughs> Interesting take on the whole episode. I especially like the end where she's kind of looking at herself in the mirror and thinking she's beautiful and amazing. And then you get the shot of what she really looks like pregnant with a demon baby and just like some walking corpse. Um, speaking of corpses, there was a couple of really good dead bodies in this episode as well. That obviously reminds me of the walking dead. The one, um, the, the skeleton on the road and you kind of go inside the eye and then up. I thought that was really, really good. Um, it, it, it obviously it looked like a walker to me as well, expecting it to kind of move, but it's a different show. Um, what else? Uh, oh, Whoopi Goldberg um, looks really old. Like Ben, you'd been saying that you didn't think she looked old enough, but she kind of really looked super old on her dead deathbed. And Trash Catman also, I, uh, the take on him, I kind of have to disagree with you both. I, I just don't like it. He reminded me of like a squealing, it was strange. Like, I, I can tell he's doing, the actor's trying to do a good performance, but it's just the noises he's making is disturbing me. Like, it's like that guy from Police Academy that makes the like, sort of like, noise it reminded me of and I, I don't get it and like I understand that he's turned on by bombs and whatever but I was grateful that he was only in the one scene at the beginning because I think throughout the episode he's just too much 
So, yeah, but those are my thoughts on the episode. I, I really loved it. Really good. Can't wait for next week and looking forward to the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Who would have thought that Bobcat Goldwaith would have gotten so much mm-hmm. love on these two episodes? The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, Gemma. Maybe I should maybe I should work on trying to get Bobcat Goldwaith on as a guest. <laughs> what are Why your, are you having me you, on? What are your thoughts about Trash Can Man? Do you think he he uh, took some inspiration from your performance? Um, yeah, that was great, Gemma. So great to hear from you from so far away. Um, I'm glad that you're with us. And I, I, I get what you're saying. I, you know, like we've said before, I'm, I'm curious to know what Ben and I's perspectives are going to be after we've read the book and, and how we feel. And maybe we'll have some different thoughts. And I totally get that some folks are not happy with some of, um, you know, the characterizations and the interpretations and performances and things like that. And we are lacking some things. So thank you for your input. Um, next voicemail we have is from our good friend, Greg. Hey there, strange indeed. This is Greg. Uh, so we are on to episode seven and this is, this one kept my attention pretty goddamn good. Uh, I was actually, uh, engaged in this one for the, the entire episode, uh, where I may have like looked at my phone or looked at, uh, how much time was left or whatever before, but like I, I didn't as, Nadine walked out of the casino. Uh, I was like, oh, it couldn't possibly be over yet. And then the credits came out, and I was like, what the, this is bullshit. Um, I, there are you know, a couple things that I really liked about this episode. I really liked the chemistry of uh, the four going out and making the trek. And uh, I, mean, like the, I thought that it was just a, a great uh, kind of ensemble and okay, hey, we're walking, we're walking, we're finding food, we're walking. It was kind of like Lord of the Rings, but uh, going to Mount Doom. Um, and then, you know, the obviously the other big storyline in this one is Harold. And like, you don't feel bad for him, but you do feel bad for him. I mean, yeah, he had his problems. And I, man, it's just tough because that kid was such a piece of shit. But uh, with some some semblance of reason. Uh, Andy was tricked, but, you know, you have to take responsibility for your actions, which he did. So, although seeing him with his eyes pecked out and his face all gored up, like crowed, eaten off and all that, that was pretty crazy. All right, look forward to the podcast. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Fantastic, as always. And good thoughts. Another Lord of the Rings another, reference. Another one. Yeah, you can't... You can't um, not think about it since that was his inspiration when he when he wrote it so makes sense yeah and it, i can't i can't unsee it i'm picturing it in my head i, I know now that archmaster rennie has pointed that out i keep seeing that in my head too so that's so awesome yeah. all right last voice message that we have um this evening is from our good friend steve if, if harold was rick grimes he would just yank himself off that branch and walk on one leg Hey, Ben and Rima, this is Steve, and uh, just starting my second watch of the episode. And, you know, for a crazy whatever trash can man is, he's really pretty smart and effective here all by himself. Like, I'm sure in normal circumstances it would take a team of people to cut this warhead off this rocket. So Harold has just crashed, and he's yelling at Nadine, and as it went to black... 
I think you can kind of hear the laugh of Randall Flagg. I don't know if that was uh, meant to show us that he was, uh, you know, the the one who pushed Nadine to this or if Nadine just thought of it on her own. I love Ray and in this this depiction of Ray. She's she's great. <laughs> you figure the engine girl should know the ways of the earth? Of course. <laughs> I think we're past the point of it being about luck, Larry. Why leave the book? Why not take it so that other people can see how Harold felt at the end? And now you need a jacket. Did Stu really just try to white fang Kojak? Come on. Well, that went dark. Or Nadine went dark really fast. I'm assuming only a few more days have gone by if Kojak's able to tip back to Stu and Stu is still by himself. So, um, all right. Uh, wow. Next week, we're coming up to the, the second to the last episode, right? Is that? Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll see. Can't wait to hear you guys talk about this one. Talk to you later. And now you need a jacket. <laughs> and now you need a jacket. <laughs> giggled so hard. <laughs> that was the best. That made me laugh, too, the moment I heard him say that. And now you need a jacket. He makes a good point, point. though. Why would you just leave the book? Yeah, I meant to ask that question. And so thank you, Steve, for for bringing that back up. Why why wouldn't he take it, I wonder, to take it back to, well, I know that they don't, they're not sure what's going to happen, but I mean, not to... I think that's part of it. I think it's their. I think in the ba- in the back of their minds, they're not expecting to get back to Boulder. Yeah, maybe. Um, so why take any, why take anything along that you know is probably not going to make it back? That's true. You know, let somebody else possibly find it at some point. Right. If anybody else, I mean, there's so few people left on the earth, but it should someone be walking that same road or going past the same road? The wreckage is still there which would draw your attention like it did there. So, so yeah, maybe they're leaving it in case someone else finds it. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. But, um, all right. That was such great feedback. I, I love hearing from you guys every week and thank you for being with us. We've got uh, a couple more episodes to go. We know we've got the finale and then the coda. Uh, you guys are really helpful. Um, not just with your weekly feedback on the episodes, but in between the episodes as you're listening and, you know, we're asking, Hey guys, if we've, help us out you know um you guys are doing that and and messaging us and tweeting at us and you know giving us a little bit more information and and i love that i i love that interaction so thanks guys appreciate it yeah yeah me too uh and it's interesting to note too that uh Paik is going to be possibly back with us next week i think his schedule is kind of yeah in flux right now he's he's supposed, supposed to, to be, be back, back with, with us, us but and we're hoping the schedules work out it, it's he was certainly intended to be on next week's episode so hopefully as long as schedules work work out then he will be here so yeah look yeah. forward to that Ex- exactly so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting like I i'm know, excited i know i know this episode is coming to people a day late um, that's my fault and <laughs> No, we talked about this. But it is, it is. We, I mean, there was a couple things. It worked we, out. It was my fault that we pushed it, but it worked out better that I pushed it because of 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 weather. I have I have weather here on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, I got my my area got a, a huge nor'eastern dumped on it, and I actually ended up losing power. Um, actually, at the time of night, we would have been recording. Yes. So, one way or another, we would not have been recording when we usually record. Yes. Anyway. So. so it ended up working out for the the fate 
fates were with me, I guess, when I needed to push it back See, a day because it wouldn't have worked You out. ruined it. I was going to take the full brunt of the blame on this podcast. No, like, but you had to step in and say, I, like, nope, it no, was my fault. I, I'll take it. I told you, it's, it's totally, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not laying blame on anyone else. It just happened to work out that it was my fault. And um, it, it turned out to work out, like you said, because then we could have been sitting here recording and you lose your power and we'd have nothing. So... This worked out, so that would have, it would have can sucked you imagine? So oh my gosh! Because my computer would have shut down. Dude, where's your audio? Anything, <laughs> yep, anything I had recorded on my end would have been completely. I know, out. I know. So it worked out for the best. I mean, sometimes yeah. you have a happy kind of like thing that happens. You think it's a mess, but it turns out for the better, and that's what happens. So my apologies that this is just a little bit late coming. I'm going to get this edited as quickly as possible so you guys have it um, before the next episode, because next week, which is um, just in a couple of days, actually, I say I say week, and that's false. It's actually in a couple of days. Um, that, yeah, I've been doing it, too. <laughs> no, that we're actually going to be covering episode eight titled The Stand. Which I'm pretty sure is going to be the unofficial season right. finale, um, with the exception of the coda, which we're going to get, which is which is more story being told. Um, post exactly what we what's in the book. It, this the coda is not anything that's in the book. It's additional material. Stephen written King by Stephen himself. King, if, you don't, yep. if you don't know that already, um, so yeah. So this is uh, technically this this next episode is is the is it is the, the finale. finale. But we will obviously be covering um, the coda as well, so don't don't leave us just yet. So oh yeah, you'll hear us that <laughs> We're gonna talk about it. Um, well, we are really excited for you to travel to the Boulder Free Zone with us. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange Tcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stranger And you can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Make sure to go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we just finished on House Podcastica, uh, finished our coverage of season three of Cobra Kai, which was amazing. Those last two episodes, holy crap. Um, Just absolutely amazing. So um, be sure if you enjoyed Cobra Kai, go check out House Podcast's coverage. Um, That was a lot of fun covering that with Jason and Rich. Kind of sad that it's over and I don't have any more Cobra Kai to talk about with those guys because that was um, a lot of fun. And then um, Jason and Karen on the Walking Dead cast just covered the Queen's Gambit. Um, They talked about, I guess they binged the, well, I don't know about Karen, but I I think Jason had to binge the entire um, series. Um, And then they covered the entire um, season in one episode, and that just came out. So check them out on Walking Deadcast. Um, And then, of course, because we love great podcasts around here, we have to, of course, talk about Ben and all of your projects. Um, We don't have to, but it's nice. It's nice to, and I'm a nice person. (laughs) Ninety to 99% of the time. I'm a nice person. Um, so yeah, we want to, we want everyone to know about all the awesome projects that you have, cause you will have something for everyone for sure. Um, on nextlevelnetwork.com. Is there anything in particular that you want to talk about this week? Um, no, I'm just, I mean, everything is the nextlevelnetwork.com as you mentioned. Um, there is some new stuff definitely coming, 
Uh, season seven of my Spotlight podcast is going to be launching relatively soon. Still booking interviews for that. That's the Celebrity Interview podcast. Uh, Wilhelm is officially going to be launching over the next week, which I'm really excited Yay. about. And um, a possibility of one or two other new podcasts coming to the network over the next couple Ooh, months. Exciting! So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Good for you. That's yeah. exciting news. Not that I'll be on, but other people host <laughs> right podcasts on, on my your network. network. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, you're growing and expanding. That's awesome. It's always a good thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that is uh, that's our show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next time, I'm Rima, and I'm Ben, and Ginger Martinez is strange indeed. Stop.